Welcome to the Friends and Rivals podcast. It's the uh, Taylor Ham strain where, you know, someone was just throwing sandwiches around and uh, Blackwood was just licking them all. That fucker. I I miss Taylor Ham. Go to White Rose and get a Taylor Ham and cheese with mustard on it on a hard roll. Mustard? You put mustard on it? What? What? Let's talk devils and islanders. Let's talk penguins and rangers. But let's not talk about flyers because they're a bunch of fucks, which no one can deny, which no one can Episode 11, Friends and Rivals podcast coming at you. I am one of your hosts, Tom Harkness. With me, as always, are... Stephen Wojtowicz. Bill Fougere. Nick Larita. When it's time to change, you've got to rearrange. <laughs> My son is going through puberty, and man, his voice is cracking like you would not oh, believe. Hilarious is what it, it is. is. So it is it hilarious. Just, just sounds like your voice now, right? Are you saying no he's not as whiny as me he's got a much deeper voice now for an 11 year old nobody's as whiny as you thanks Bill. major fan thanks mm, mm. Uh, speaking of of whining um we're gonna mix it up a little bit uh as mentioned earlier on in very early episodes of the podcast hopefully you all have been following along you know we we mentioned this is not really a place where we're gonna give news but we're gonna give our general opinions and through our first 10 episodes we kind of realized what we might be doing a little bit wrong and you know we're not going to go in depth game by game you saw the games we're watching the same ones we're just giving give you our opinions about them so a new type of format from here on moving forward let's see uh let's see if it sticks so to start us off tonight actually man the devil's ever gonna play a hockey game again they just continue well that's a great question Probably not for at least another week. I mean, they're they're canceled through the fifteenth, which is next Monday. So the earliest they're going to play is is when we record next week. Right. That's the, actually your Ranger game, which will be six games in total that now have to be re- well, an additional three that have to be rescheduled on top of the three that already had to be rescheduled. So say they do actually play a week from tonight. How long would it have been since their last hockey game? Sixteen fourteen games. Days. 14, fourteen days. The last game they played was January thirty first. At Buffalo, but who, who who's to blame actually for this? Is Buffalo to blame for this, or the Devils to blame? No, for this? I think the Devils are to blame for their problems and Buffalo's problems. Jesus, and the linesmen that were involved in the game, their problems. I guess it comes down to Blackwood somehow. Blackwood was on the list the longest, and then Zajac was on the list, and then Paul Mary, and actually Paul Mary went on the list on January thirty first after playing on January thirtieth. It's obvious that any any thought they had that on ice transmission was not possible uh, is wrong. Well, that led today to uh, to some interesting things that Darren Drager reported about changing to the uh, COVID protocols, including um, more masks, at home testing, rapid testing on day of games. Nothing he he did mention. Nothing was set in stone yet, and everything is is still being talked about. The devils are the reason why. Everything is now. Well, they're not the only ones. I mean, Minnesota's got a huge outbreak going on. Colorado's got a huge outbreak going on. No, it's, there's it's a couple other teams. It's just right. the fuck the Devils. You're right. You're right. You're I think, right. I think I Nick's, you're a Ranger Nick, fan. You know everything. My Nick, fault. Nick's Sorry. point from last week about fuck the Devils carries true to this week. It's not only fuck the Flyers, who are the Flyers are another team fuck that are Flyers. now infected. And fuck the Flyers. I agree. They're uh, they're maybe in jeopardy of missing the outdoor game against Boston if it if it goes that crazy, because that's in a what next week next weekend. Do you so think they that, slide another team in? I I I mean I don't know. You you did mention Colorado. Um, having some issues with with COVID, uh, and did they have games canceled? I've, I really haven't been paying attention to to Colorado um, to know. I don't way. think they've had games canceled yet, but they're getting very close. 
Yeah, because they're they're another having team. enough Colorado, players down. Right, Colorado yeah. and uh, and Vegas were playing in the in that other outdoor game. Things could be in jeopardy, and and medical is going to outweigh the outdoor game, right? Yeah, you don't think they're just going to say hope. screw it, play? <laughs> we need the money, and they're not going to pull one of those. No, I think I think they'll find another team to slide in there on such short notice. You think that's going to happen? Yeah, sure, sure. Go the ahead, Devils, man. like I said, those the Devils had three games canceled. It resulted in, I think, 13 of their future games being rescheduled in some way. So yeah. I feel like the flexibility the flexibility is there for other teams to rearrange. You changed the schedule so much that teams that you're not even playing on that night that got rescheduled had to reschedule games. Like the Rangers were never scheduled to play on Valentine's Day. They were meant to, they, I think they were supposed to play the Flyers the day after. But since now yeah. they're playing the Devils on the 16th, they moved that ranger flyer game to saint patrick or to uh, valentine's day well it's because they love each other yeah yeah no no that that's mm-hmm. exactly the reason why they did it so there you go that's that's a week away right so they were able to change the schedule a week in advance to to make that happen why couldn't they change the other schedule a week in advance to make the outdoor game happen yeah well they don't know what's going to happen right three players yeah. and and a couple other guys uh, forced the, the game versus the, the Bruins to be canceled. And I think probably a smart move to do that before anything escalates any further or who knows it may have already, yeah. but believe it or not, the devils are not the biggest news today with uh, canceling games. Our friends over in the Berg have hired a new gen- GM and president of hockey operations, Brian Burke. Wait, what happened? <laughs> so, so billy what was that old guy who's a new team is it carolina <laughs> i figured i mean with hextall as your gm and brian burke <sighs> as the president of hockey operations there's no possible way you're going to stick with the penguins right well look here's here's what's good about these two hires I, I wait 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 time on time on time oh, possible so we Buckle all in everyone right now. no well you, you know how do i put it delicately that uh the the penguins hired today um couple of a uh, couple cunts they definitely hired a couple of cunts oh my God. Um, well, that was subtle we, very very wait, 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 well wait. said can we say cunt on the air i think so i you, you think that'll you, offend me any of the seven example. listeners <laughs> no i think i think the four other people that listen will be fine with it okay <laughs> but you know like uh you, you you know brian burke you know i give him credit you know uh stanley cup uh winner in in 07 with those anaheim ducks uh you know he uh he saw something, you know, like when he was putting that team together, the finishing touches on that team, you know, he was looking around the league trying to figure out how they were going to get next level and, and, and what was going to get them over the top. And, and he saw something in this little known defenseman out of New Jersey that, you know, was flying under the radar all those years, uh, you know, just kicking around a veteran in the league, but never really accomplished much of anything. Yeah, but Chris, yeah. He saw something special and he, and he, grabbed Scott Niedermeyer and signed him up. And, 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 you know, obviously they had the other Niedermeyer, the, the great Niedermeyer, Rob Niedermeyer was already there. And, uh, and, and, but putting the two of them together, just, just put them over the top. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. Looking for more of that well, magic. I, I think that's where his genius lies. He planted the seed so early with Rob by having Rob on the team that he knew down the line that would result in Scott coming to the Ducks. Exactly Very shrewd it. move. It's true. No, I think, yeah, in all seriousness, that that's that's that might have been part of that master plan, right? Hextall, you know, I, I could see why uh why why Hextall was hired. Um because uh Mario, you know, if from, from the day Mario started playing against him, 
uh, in the 80s, um, Hextall was his bitch. So Hextall is just going to continue being his bitch now in the front office. I mean, it's, it's a very natural progression. So I'm, uh, so I, in, both, in both cases, I'm kind of excited. What can I tell you? Are you excited to the fact that Brian Burke went on, I think uh, Penguins had on their Twitter feed about an interview that they were doing with Hextall and, and with Burke about having the right guys in place, having Sidney Crosby there, having Malkin. <laughs> I couldn't get through that one while laughing about Malkin. Um, about having the right guys in place and to, to go out and, and to put other pieces around them to continue to make the run. I mean, that's got to energize you a little bit though, right? Well, that that's why he's there, and, and and that seems to be the the uh, the reason for for this combination of hires. From from what I'm kind of reading about and and seeing, you know, people uh, comment on is is that that Burke is the guy that they're hoping is is going to keep the focus on putting the best possible combination on the ice right now, putting 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 that putting their best foot forward and and trying to keep the the playoff streak alive, et cetera, and trying to be competitive and and you know, ultimately uh, I think they're still paying lip service to, to trying to compete for a Stanley cup. I, I don't, I don't buy it personally, but, but I think that's, that's why Burke's there to, to keep that process moving forward. And it seems like what they're looking for in Hextall is, is his uh, track record of lately, you know, uh, being able to, to draft well, put together good, you know, um, programs in the minor leagues uh, and, and develop talent. Uh, and so, that that it seems like that part of it is focused on the future with Hextall and the Burke part of it is is focused on the now. I don't know that it's going to work. I, I you know uh, there there's two different strong personalities pulling uh, in the front office. Um, we'll see where it goes. Maybe by the summer there's only one guy running the show. You know I'm, I'm not convinced otherwise yet. But uh, uh, that's that's what they're. I think they're just kind of throwing it at the wall and seeing seeing what sticks today. Well. I, I, I give them two years before they are both fired and the rebuild begins. <laughs> I mean, I, that might be generous, but you, you have to look, you know, how old is Crosby? Crosby's what, 33? 33. 30, uh, Malkin is around the same age. Latang's around 34, the same age. 32. 36, 37 years old. You're selling these guys off for, for whatever you can get for them. This is going to be like the, uh, the Hopefully early, sooner. early 2000s New York Rangers when they were selling off Kovalev, when they were selling off Brian Leach, when they were selling off all these assets that really never amounted to anything, but it's not going to be that long before this happens. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's part of the rumor too, of why Rutherford was, was out. I mean, one of the rumors, you know, there's so many things and you don't know what's true, but, but that, you know, uh, Rutherford might've been trying to uh, broach the uh, subject of trading away some of those core guys. Uh, and, and it was a, a hard no from ownership that, that they want those guys to retire penguins. I don't know what to believe out of that, but no, we are getting to the time where if you can get returns of, of some kind on those players, you know, I, I, for, for Malkin and Latang, I, I, if you can get a return on, on them from a team that's trying to, to go for something uh, right now, I, I'd, I'd be all for it. You know, Crosby's the franchise guy might be a little bit of a different situation, but I'm not like one of those, one, I'm not the kind of fan who, who says, Oh my God, it, it, he's a, he's a legend and he has to retire a penguin. You know, if he, if he has an opportunity, I don't think this year, but even later in his career to go to go do something somewhere else while this Penguins team is languishing, rebuilding. I, I don't mind seeing that happen at all. Go go do a Tom Brady. Go go uh, go somewhere else. Ugh, you had to bring up Tampa Bay, <laughs> didn't you? Jesus Christ! Hell yeah. Uh, um, 
there was a re- actual report about Latang to St. Louis for Vince Dunn. Did you hear that same thing? I heard that was one of the reasons why Rutherford got let go or resigned because he broached the subject of trying to trade Latang. I mean, are you kidding? For Vince Dunn? What are you? Wh- why are you not doing that? How is that not happening? You're, you're trading a guy who's in his mid-30s making a lot of money up against the cap. It's a good opportunity to free up some cash space and still get a good, a good young talent on defense because God knows you guys can use it. Oh, yeah, they can. Yeah, the def- defensive situation did not improve since last week. Mike Matheson came back. That did not help. I was, was, I was actually hoping he was going to be out longer you, term. Was he the guy at the beginning of the year that you uh, about yes. he made his, his debut and you said it was stellar? <laughs> <laughs> and by stellar, I mean god awful. So you mean worse than Jack Johnson's? Yeah, that's <laughs> the weeks for the Rangers. Yeah, that guy. Good, you got him back. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there, there was a uh, well. Good luck with uh, with all those uh, with your GM and your hockey operations. Oh, thank we, you. We will be here to laugh at you for the remainder of the season. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. That you, you guys really timed starting this this whole podcast together at just the perfect freaking year to see the Penguins like. The wheels just freaking come off of that uh, franchise. Steve and I have been talking about this for the past three years, and we were waiting for this about time to happen. So it was all a ploy against you. You're right. I, I suspected as much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so we're gonna go around. We're and, also and- waiting for the island. We are also waiting for the Islanders to get oh so close to the Stanley Cup and then just not make it. Ooh, yikes! All right, well, Nick, I, I mean, I think that's your intro to start your four point night. Um, so you had a couple of games last week. One was against the Penguins. One was against the uh, was against the Rangers. Did you have another one in there too? You had another one in there against Caps or no? No, no. We had games scheduled for uh, with uh, Buffalo, which oh, yeah. uh, unfortunately they got the, the Devils COVID, so you know it didn't work out so well. <laughs> the Devils COVID. <laughs> yeah. Is that a new strand? It's a new strand. Yeah. yeah oh my God. South Africa. And the Devils. It's the uh, wait, wait. Taylor Ham strain where, you know, someone was just throwing sandwiches around and uh, Blackwood was just licking them all, that fucker. I, I miss Taylor Ham. <clears throat> Go to anyway. White Rose and get a Taylor Ham and cheese with mustard on it on a hard roll. Mustard? You put mustard what? on it? What? What's that? Why? What, you, what the hell's wrong with you? Mustard? Oh, yeah. What the hell, mustard. dude? Oh, yeah. What, listen, Steve, you take ketchup on your hot dog, so you're just weird in general. Okay. Yeah. That's, so don't that's don't come gross. at me with <laughs> mustard on Taylor Ham. What else but, would you put on Taylor Ham? Thank you, mustard. Up, man. Come on. Thank you, Willem. Oh, Whatever. Mustard. on ham. Come on. Anyway. So, okay, Steve, so nobody is with you on this. Oh yeah, no, that's right. The the SPK when people order pork roll and cheese, SPK <laughs> yeah. doesn't the K doesn't mean ketchup. I no. guess. No, Steve, no, that, means, pepper ketchup that means is mustard. on bacon, egg, and cheese. No, it's on pork roll, egg, and cheese, pork too. Pork roll, egg, and cheese, dude. What are you talking bacon, about? It's on crazy. a bacon, egg, and cheese. Or a sausage, egg, and cheese. It's always SPK. Nobody puts ketchup on sausage. When it's on a breakfast sandwich, you do? No. All right. Nick, go about? ahead, because these guys are fucking morons. <laughs> but there's no egg involved in, in the white rose. When Shut they up, stupid. Shut up! There was no egg involved, okay? So there's no need for ketchup. Uh... I miss hard rolls. All right. You can't get hard rolls down here either. Jesus Christ. No, you can't. The rolls down here blow. Bread's, bread's Bread impossible is impossible fun. I, I talked before like we've done You guys that. moved. Stop whining. Well, we have to. We have to whine about the things we miss. <laughs> Shut up. 
Notice I don't Notice whine about it's always you. about food. It's never about us. It's not about you. They no. never whine about missing <laughs> it's us. Food. It's... Dicks. I I'll be honest. I miss I miss the the uh, that bagel store on next to the post office, Steve. The uh, uh... veggie burrito. The veggie burrito for lunch. I go there and get that mm-hmm. with a uh, hot sauce and jalapenos. Can't beat it. That's great. That's like usually a stop bucks. when Tom comes back to town. That's usually a stop we make. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you. All right, so Isles, uh, four points uh, in the last four games. Kind of a small mini streak they got going on. Two week, two wins this week. Finally breaking through a little bit of the, of the funk after a five game losing streak where we managed two points in five games, and now we're on the opposite of that. We've got two, four points out of the last four games, or six points out of the last four games. Sorry. So really, uh, turn around a little bit. Um, they're looking looking better. They're they're playing back to how they should play. The last two games, uh, I didn't get to watch the entirety of the of the the Saturday game as I was traveling. Uh, I did catch a little bit of the, of the you know what I could catch on my phone from here and there, and then watch a little bit of the condensed game uh, this morning. But the game last last night, the Ranger game, definitely was a uh, a much more you know much more complete game. Uh, very much an Islanders game. And aside from getting dominated in the faceoff circle, which was surprising to watch the Rangers go big time in that department. And we, we've talked about it quite a bit as that's been a struggle for like, Devils and, and Rangers. Um, but uh, very, they played really, they did really well, the Rangers. I thought, I felt, I talked to Tom about this earlier and I thought they did really, they're looking better, looking harder to play against. And um, I'll squeaked out with uh, some, some key goals from their fourth line. So uh, overall, the week was really a much better week. My next point, I play, this will be around uh, who's playing well. Um, this was kind of like uh, looking at a few guys. Uh, Eberly, Eberly is finally breaking through again. He's, he's very streaky. So I see him being in this kind of like playing well, playing invisible, playing well, playing invisible kind of you know streak. Uh, I, I I love watching him when he's when he's on. He's got that. He's that that sniper we need to have. Uh, you know, every team needs a guy. Is it game to game where he's like invisible one game and then lights out the next, or is it like it's he plays well a couple of games? Yeah, and then he falls off the radar. Okay. He's a, he's truly streaky, where he's really like a a week or two of just hot, and then he just cools off. And yeah. it, I honestly, I feel like it's totally his. He doesn't have that killer instinct, like. You'd see it in, in the juniors. He looked. He you saw it. I feel like when he was, you know, the, the guy in, in, on Team Canada, to get those goals, key goals when he needed him, needed him in the in the World Juniors and you know his, his you know his juniors career. But uh, when he's playing well, man, when he's like really got that fire and playing like strong off the puck and skating real hard, he can be a game breaker. But he's if he he just he's that guy. He's got for us. He's got to be more on yeah. it more than not. He was there in the playoffs, and that was a big reason why they were able to score points. And um, you know, he had two goals in the in the game against the Penguins and looked really good. Had a couple nice goals. The fourth line's been playing really, really good. Two goals last night. Um, they're starting to get their get their stride again. And you know, they shouldn't be they should not be hit or miss. They should be on every night, to be honest. Um, all three of those guys. And uh, they got two goals back to back in um, like like under a minute and a half or so. And that went from a scoreless game in the third to two nothing Isles, ready to, to just keep you know shut the Isles, shut, shut the Rangers down, and hopefully get a shutout for Varlamov, who by the way has played 
fucking awesome. Marlamov was uh, keeping the Isles in it early in the game last night and has been just – he's been our star. Of the, so far this season, he's the guy. He's the guy keeping us um, in wins. He's got three shutouts this season. Uh, wow. Isles have uh, – if I make – if I'm correct, we have five wins, if I remember correctly. So five wins, uh, three of those are shutouts for Marlamov. That's pretty much how it's gone. And uh, he's got the other two wins as well, but – he he's been he's been awesome. Um, and lastly, from that kind of just who's been playing well, um, Michael Belcole's starting to, to really figure out what he needs to do in the NHL just to, to keep a spot. He's uh, he's his niche is really outworking guys on the boards, being the guy in the line that that digs in deep and keeps the puck deep and gets the puck to everybody else, and, and just try to outwork people. I think he's. If he keeps doing that, he's gonna keep himself in the in that third on that third line. He might get himself up on the second line some nights, depending on who's injured, who's where he needs to slot in. Um, he can take faceoffs if he needs to, but he's really a winger at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's been playing much better and keeping a guy like uh, you know Komarov, um, you know, hopefully on the bench at some point. So um, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, from who's been playing well. Uh, Isles, I've had a few guys just not really doing that great. Uh, Komarov is the guy I've kind of been hoping they would start to bench, but I guess because of his, you know, versatility and, you know, being in, being a, a, a Lou guy and Trotz likes him, plays him, even though he's, you know, doing dumb shit like uh, trying to skate out the puck last night and turn it over right in the blue line. Uh, when he had two defensemen, he could have passed two and, you know, made a better breakout, but. You know, hey, Uncle Leo's gotta gotta do some things sometimes, like dumb shit, like your your dumbass uncle that uh, you know says stupid shit Thanksgiving. That's our <laughs> Uncle Leo. Um, so yeah, he's been playing like ass, and uh, everybody on the island pretty much has been watching the games. Is pretty much tired of watching him play, and kind of wants to see Bellows or Doc Hole with if he sits for him or anybody else on the roster. Austin Sarnik. So. Um, who looked really good in the one week, one game he played this so far this season, would be an absolute upgrade over him. Sorry, you gonna say something, Steve? Every team's got to have that whipping boy. Every team's <sighs> got to have that yeah. one player that everybody in the fan base just wants out of the lineup. Yeah, and I, I last the Penguins, we got four defensemen on that list. <laughs> <laughs> Consider yourself hey, you lucky. Know, beginning of the season, I thought that would be more Duck Hole than than Komarov, but uh, Komarov's actually swapped it you know he's just not looked good and looks like he's an aging guy that's just playing himself out of the lineup and doc cole's been playing himself in now it's week to week he could change right you never know uh but i don't think he's i don't think komarov's got the spot like you said what he's a lou guy so he's going to be in that lineup yep uh bailey and has not been playing well as well Uh, he's been pretty you have a rough, rough, rough go at it the last few games I've, I've noticed, and um, it was pretty noticeable yesterday. He was having a hard time winning battles, and um, that's his his game is uh, you know keeping the cycle of the puck well, playing good defensively, winning puck battles, doing all the little things, and it's looking like he's having a little bit of struggle out there. Normally, he's one of our most consistent guys, and he's looking he's looking a little uh, lost, and or maybe just puck luck. I don't know what it is. Looks like he's in a bit of a funk. On that note, uh, I, I didn't. Sorokin didn't play this week, but he's been 
looking pretty shaky as of you know his last start. I think he's going to have to get a start probably soon, maybe next week. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. They, they've been riding Varlamov, and he's been playing really hot. So hard to see how they. Schneider was the backup against the Rangers last. Schneider, night. Schneider was the, the backup, but yeah. he wasn't going to play. So I think they were. Just, I'm not sure what they're doing exactly with that. If they're just trying to, you know, coax. When Lou, uh, when Lou was in New Jersey, he was a fan of given people who weren't playing well, the option, like the ability to, to watch the game from a different angle. So watch it from upstairs in the press box or watch it from yeah. a luxury box when they were a scratch, just to see if maybe seeing the game from a different angle helped trigger something. That could be so it. Maybe that's, I mean, why, not... maybe that's why they've dressed Schneider as the backup. Let him. Yeah. yeah. And there's not, it wasn't much to gain from being the backup in that game. I mean, you might get in because you know, the star gets shelled or gets hurt, but to be honest, you're probably not playing. Right. So I make that makes sense. Uh, and lastly, there Dobson uh, has been playing a little bit less of five and five. It was pretty noticeable the last two games. He's dropped off. I think he played around ten minutes, um, ten eleven minutes uh, last game, and he was up in the high in the low twenties in the first few weeks. So uh, maybe they're just trying to uh, switch guys around. Look like Andy Green's got like he had like twenty minutes last night. So it might be there's something that they're just kind of rotating guys, giving them a little more minutes, or just trying to you know dial back on some of the things yeah yeah hard to say what that's going on he i don't think dobson's looked bad so hard to say it's been hard to say what's going on there but it's no something to mention and watch um if they're going to try and um change some of that a little bit this season and then the last point i was going to make is around uh the lines uh so the lines have pretty much stayed the same last week or so and i thought there might be some more variation with more games but you know two games getting canceled kind of changes that up a little bit, made a lot of time uh, in between. So what I've really wanted to see was, um, you know, get some more time with uh, Bellows back on there and Sarnik um, as opposed to, to seeing um, maybe some even like give Bailey or, uh, someone a night off, like like Bailey or uh, obviously Komarov, but they haven't really changed much in the top line, second line, fourth line. Those, those lines are pretty much the same, minus Bavilia being hurt and them having to put somebody in on the second line. But I just would like to see them do something to rely a little bit more on the kids. Um, you know, Wallstrom's looked good. Uh, and he's been doing things that I think has been re- really interesting to watch, which is he's made some some good key defensive plays. Which it's going to keep him in the, in the lineup. And I thought he'd be a kid that would be like, they, they wouldn't put him in the lineup unless he was scoring. But he's been making some nice plays, breakouts, and, you know, a couple pick uh, uh, takeaways. And he's looking pretty – he's looking like he's going to slowly, you know, in this season – developing to that guy he could slot up at like higher or get a more permanent spot in, in the in the in the on the on the, the team i want to see what them shake up the, the lines a little bit with uh with some of the guys that are just kind of struggling a little bit and i think it's a good idea to maybe do that with the second line first line's looking really good all around can't do much about that fourth line we'll talk about that a little bit later probably in the in the um in the conversations when we talk about the identities of, of our teams um but uh, that second and third lines can probably, in my opinion, be shaken up a little bit and give some of those guys that are chomping at the bit. So four points. Uh, who would like to uh, go next? That'd be um, Thomas. That was a wonderful transition. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we're going to go from one part of New York on to another part. Let's go to the island of Manhattan. Well, like, like it, it, as, as Nick had mentioned, um, the Rangers had two games uh, this past week, and you know, faceoffs has been a really 
big problem for the Rangers all season. We've very well documented that uh, at least the past couple of weeks. Shockingly, 61% on draws against the Islanders last night. Um, ultimately re- uh, um, ended up in a loss. Um, but I thought the Rangers played pretty decent last night. But they're not built to win a game like that. And, and that could be the problem. And that, and that leads to the team's identity, which we will talk about uh, in a little bit. They, they just don't have the size, the physical toughness to, to win a game like that, one nothing or, or, or 2-1 in, in a game like that. Another thing that's becoming a glaring problem, uh, and so that was my first point. Second point is about Mika Zibanejad. If, if Mika Zibanejad was on the New York Yankees, he would have been put on the 15-day disabled list and then sent to the doctors and found out he had some mysterious crack in his rib somewhere and that had to be out for two months. It doesn't seem like he's injured. He's off to an incredibly slow start. One goal, two assists through the first um, the first ten games of the season or eleven games of the season. Are you are you saying that the New York Yankees <laughs> fake injuries so players can go on the disabled list? I I don't know what you're talking about. I, I I'm okay. I'm not making that accusation at, at all. I love the Yankees. Okay, go team, go. But if if he were. I think Zibanejad would have been put on the disabled list for some mysterious injury just to calm everybody down that it's, you know, not the player it's, you know, some mysterious injury. So whether it, it any credence goes to having COVID no training camp, um, not really having a proper off season routines, all that other crap that goes into it, because just not performing and, you know, end of last season, trying to figure out how to fit his cap hit in, in the next couple of years into the structure. Is he going to get that $12 million a year contract or is it going to be more along the lines of a eight or $9 million contract? Because that makes a huge difference. And this year might even play into that. Um, the power play woes are, are possibly a direct result of Zibanejad not scoring. Um, last year on the power play, he was lights out um, and their, and their power play percentage um, flourished because of it this year you know he, he's not hitting the net and if he does he's hitting the goalie square in the chest and and part of the problem is that the rangers are not getting enough traffic in front of goaltenders and again i i'm i'm, I'm beating a dead horse here and talking about the same things because they are a problem and getting traffic in front of goaltenders is a huge problem and that's directly leading to them being Dominic Hoshiks and Patrick Waz and Martin Brodeurs against us on any given night is because we're not making the goaltender move. We're not putting enough traffic in front of him. We're not shooting enough. And there's just not a lot of that going on. Varlamov has played two games against the Rangers this year, 120 minutes, no goals, no goals. Two of those shutouts have been against the Rangers. So I, 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 I picked on Nick a lot about, uh, Georgiev having, having the Islanders numbers. Well, guess what? Varlamov's got our number this year for sure. And it's a direct result because we're not getting enough traffic in front of the net. We're not making him work. We're giving him easy shots and easy chances on goal for him to stop. All you need is the goaltender to build up a little confidence. Then Panarin gets on a breakaway, tried to open up Varlamov. Varlamov wouldn't open up. He had no chance. No choice but to shoot it directly into him. Zibanejad had another glorious chance a couple of minutes after that. Nothing happened. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch as a Ranger fan and people are calling for people's heads right now, but you also have to remember another thing that I've been talking about all season so far, and that's organizational growth. And that is something that we're going through right now. This team is not built, nor is it intended to make the playoffs. If we do, 
that's just fucking gravy and a bonus for us right now that we would make the playoffs, but growth. We want to see the kids start to flourish. You're looking at Buchnevich uh, having a really solid start to the year. Um, he's gotten a little cold lately, but he's still having a solid start to the year. Heedle was arguably their best center in the first ha- handful of games before he got hurt. You know, Capo Caco had – you know, is, is becoming an all around better hockey player, far better than he was last year. Um, so you look at organizational wise, the young kids and growing and developing into something, Adam Fox, you know, I always, I was afraid of him having a sophomore slump this year, killing it this year. Um, so organizational growth, we are growing, we are getting better. We're just not there yet. And people just got to relax. And I'm one of them. I get frustrated when I see, uh, you know, someone not pick up Matt Martin on a back check and he gets a slam dunk goal that, you know, who wouldn't care who you put in net, no one's going to stop it. It's, it's these things, it's these growing pains that we have to go through and we have to learn, the Rangers have to learn how to win these games. Um, they learned a really good lesson and in, in, in how to win, especially against the Capitals uh, earlier in the week. They need to learn how to win these games and they're going to start to learn how to win these games when they get, in my opinion, bigger, more physical players involved. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, kind of team identity, but you know, that that's your status of the Rangers right now. Uh, Mika's not scoring and it's becoming a huge problem. Uh, faceoffs and maybe we solved something. They worked. Quinn said they worked on a, a lot of the faceoff stuff over the past week, you know, not, not playing the devils on Saturday, give them an opportunity for another practice day. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see in, in nights to come if that is really taken care of, but Mika's not taken care of. And Mika's a big problem. Mika's a big part of what this team is offensively. And without him, all the pressure now goes on Zabanajad because, or not on Zabanajad, I'm sorry, Freudian slip, on, on Panarin because now it's just all you got to do is stop Panarin. Don't worry about Zabanajad. He's not scoring. Don't worry about any, anything of that. They're not going to be, they look killer on the power play, but they just can't score. It's, it's going to be, Mika's a, a big problem. Uh, once he gets going, then we have two lines rolling. And now you, you kind of play that game as who's on, who's off that night. Um, but goaltending, getting people in front of the net, uh, certainly a huge problem. And Ranger fans got to relax. Organizational growth is what we're looking for this year. Okay. Even, and I, and I, and I credit hockey stat miner on Twitter um, for pointing this out that if the Rangers signed Buchnevich, Heedle, Howden, and Igor to ridiculous contracts in the off season, these are the restricted free agents. They're still going to have $10 million in cap space with a roster full of 20 guys. So just relax. Everything's is going to kind of take care of itself. Um, and plus we have other guys coming from overseas. You know, you, you're, you're looking at um, Kratzoff, you're looking at Lundquist coming um, next year. So things are going to be put in motion, but for right now, I think everybody in the Twitterverse has just got to chill. Everybody kind of shut up after the Washington game. And we were on that pretty good roll where, where we had, you know, five out of a possible last six points. And then you lose a game like that to the Islanders and then everyone starts freaking out again. Everybody's just got to kind of relax and remember about the organizational growth, especially me. I really got to remember that at times and just keep in the back of my head that, okay, this team needs to learn. This team needs to learn. This season is all about learning and all about that organizational growth. So that's, that's while you were watching that game last night, while you yeah. were watching that game last night and they were doing better on faceoffs, did you notice hmm. like an increase of puck possession time led to more chances or here, did, did everything I, else look the same? Here's what I noticed. And I, I'm wondering, Nick, if you notice the same thing, 
How many times did Barzell get kicked out of the face-off circle? A good, a good number. He a definitely good got amount. Out. He got booted. Yeah. I don't know, maybe twenty-five to thirty percent of the <laughs> face-offs he went to take. He got booted out of the face-offs, and 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 a couple of them were like back-to-back face-offs where he got booted. And I was yeah. like, "What is going on?" Yeah, um, you know, it happens. I mean, I yeah. don't know. It depends on the refs. You know, I, I think that's generally it's like, hey, they, they have a, a certain thing they come in for, and they they might they're little some guys cheat if it's face-offs, right? Sure. They're all like, you know, getting their little little spots in and trying to get any bars, advantage they can for sure. Whatever Barzi does, every time he gets in there, it wasn't flying and he didn't make the adjustment. So, no, nope, you know, not with that lines and lines. So maybe that was a result of it that Barzell got booted. I don't know what his his percentage on the faceoffs were last night, but he it got wasn't booted. wasn't good. But, right. you know, I think, you know, but also I think uh, Stroman Nelson went head to head a few times and, and they, they took faceoffs against each other quite a bit in practice. I bet. I didn't see the. I don't. I didn't see an advanced statistics that shows that. Um, no, know, I just saw the matchups. percentage position. I got really but, excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to see that. I wish I had seen it because I, I was looking at that. and I was like, when they 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 compared up a few times, and I was like, oh man, I wonder if um you know Strom's views was. I know it's definitely an in- uptick in in uh, Rangers wins in the in the in the faceoff circle, but uh, I didn't. I was wondering if that because. Strom and Nelson went, had had all-time practice, and I figured maybe Strom was using some advantage to him. You know, something you remembered, or maybe it was definitely possible. Whatever it was, it's absolutely you know? who knows. Absolutely, knows? but but there was a big difference in in the wins for sure. Um, one of the things I was to say was you know you didn't mention Kandre Miller, but I'm going he's, to he stuck out quite a bit to me. So yeah, there, 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 when I when I when we talk about team IDs and we when we talk about other things that we're talking about tonight, let's he's go for it. Certainly going to be on the He's certainly going to be on the forefront of what we're talking about, but, but shifting to, uh, to over to the Berg before yeah. they made all their hubbub with their GM and, and everything else, Billy, what ha- what happened last week in uh, your four point night? Nice transition again. I thought it was a little smoother than what Nick did. <laughs> that was very smooth. They said nice transition. Um, so the, the... Sometimes a comment is just a genuine comment, <laughs> a compliment. It's not always a slander, you know? Uh, so, so as far as the Penguins uh, go, um, they they haven't had like a big COVID outbreak yet. They've managed to only play one one time over the last week since uh, since we all met up. So, yeah, they they were scheduled to play a couple against the Devils. Uh, those obviously were postponed. Um, they played the Islanders uh, once this past week, and uh, and while the Islanders went traipsing off to go play the Rangers, um, the Penguins are just sitting there waiting for their next Islander game. They they have two in a row against the Islanders, while the Islanders are going all around the rest of uh, the division and and playing other games. So uh, they're just you know waiting patiently for that next game. Um, you know the it, it, they were a different team after that layoff after getting I guess a few extra days of practicing uh, where they were not. Um, Facing the Devils those days, I, I, they were a, a very different team uh, in that game against the Islanders. They they really were moving the puck better um, and moving their feet better uh, and and forechecking better than than I had seen them uh, all season. And uh, and and that was a, it was really a great game the the game that they played against the Islanders. So, I mean, for the first I, I'd say six minutes of the first period there was whistle after whistle and I'm like, Oh God, here we go. This is, there's going to be no flow in this game. It's, it's just going to be, it's just gonna be a train wreck. Um, and, and then after, after those first six minutes, they practically only blew the whistle when a goal was scored the rest of the game. 
both teams got locked in. Uh, we're just going back and forth. Um, th- there were it was a three three game uh, getting deep into the third period. Um, all the goals were were at uh, full and even strength, I believe. Um, I, I think there might have been one situation where there was like a four and four at one point in the game, but there was no power play until uh, just a, a couple of minutes left, uh, three four minutes left. I forget what it was. Uh, careless play by uh, Chris Letang, putting the puck over the boards in the defensive zone, uh, put the Islanders on the power play, um, and uh, and and that's where the luck runs out for the Penguins. Um, boy, they could, if they could play games where, where they don't have to have a power play or kill a penalty, uh, we got a chance to see some really good hockey out of this team. As soon as the special teams get involved, Penguins are fucked. They, they've got, they, they cannot kill a penalty uh, and they can't put a, put a power play goal in that. And, and ultimately that, that was my takeaway from that game. It's like, wow, I was really impressed with how well they played obviously they're they're still very thin on defense mike matheson played and was was a, a disaster he's he's too slow to play in the nhl um but their options are extremely limited you know their their best defenseman right now you know besides Latang, might be p.o joseph a rookie that that they were not thinking they were going to rely on at all this season uh so the, the the defensive situation and the goaltending situation is not bailing them out they're not getting big saves from the goaltender in those big moments where, where, you know, where you need that, that reliable goaltender where the penguins in, in recent years have had that reliable goaltender uh, to, to kind of get them through the, uh, the, the, the tough waves that, that, that we all see in, in any given game, you know, uh, where the other team is just running around with, with puck possession. Um, they don't have that, but dis- despite all that with, with their goaltending issues and the defensive issues, they, they otherwise played a really good game on the Island and they lost, um, because they don't have a special teams that could step up and 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 be that difference maker. It, it's just not there. Um, so uh, you know, power play used to be game changers. They used to change the course of of the game, and it's it's uh, it's really as a Pittsburgh fan, it's got to be upsetting to see that that's just not there anymore. Yeah, because the personnel are are there. They've still got they've still got the guys who were the core of that power play. Um, you know, you, when you've got Crosby and and uh, and Malkin and Latang out there. There's there's not really a reason that those three in and of themselves can't can't make a power play go, and it's and that's not happening. Um, what do you think it is? What do I think? I, th- I think it's Malkin. I think it's I think it's yeah. I think I'm going to look squarely at Evgeny Malkin and the fact that he's got no patience on the power play and that he's going to touch the puck and he's going to put it on the tape of a defender. He's just going to think he's going to pass it through somebody somehow he's got to see he's got to see these people there uh and, and it's just not going to work uh if if he's undermining them like that when, whenever they're playing but you know the positive was that you know it was a good it was a good effort i, I thought especially at, at even strength uh, i mean they were really moving they were really moving the puck exceptionally well really moving their feet everybody um you know at even at even strength they looked like they were on a power play at times you know obviously the islanders had the same thing going on the other end because once the Penguins get to their own end of the ice, the defense again is just too thin. So, so that was that was number one, um, and and kind of related to that was another point was, I, I don't know how we judge um, Todd Reardon yet the uh, the new coach on the Penguins that's the that's that's in charge of the defenseman. He's got plenty of excuses uh, with the injuries they've had back there for the the kind of effort that they've put forth. 
Um, but you know, the jury's really going to be out on him because he's got to get whoever is back there. Uh, he's got to get them on the same page. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, am looking close at, at what he's doing and, and, uh, trying to, trying to figure out, you know, uh, how, how we could kind of evaluate his performance as a coach so far. Um, cause it, it, it is an ugly situation with their defense and, uh, and, and obviously again, Matheson not working out, but the guys that they signed off the street, they didn't work out. Surprise, surprise. Um, there's, you know, Weber and, uh, and, and Churchman um we're we're both as bad as matheson when they were playing but uh it, look they needed bodies billy that, oh for sure yeah they needed bodies we'll, we'll take jack johnson back right now if only there was a team that <laughs> had an extra defenseman laying around somewhere <laughs> they did hmm. the problem with that is that they just can't afford them they just can't afford them right now and now we're not taking malkin back so with that really my 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 next point really to sum that up is uh the playoff third their playoff streak 14 seasons in a row i can't i i think it's over i mean it, it's early it's early in the season i get that they're that they've got enough points that they're not out of out of the question at this point but the things that i'm seeing you know they they have they're 11 games in they've still been playing from behind in every single game this season they and uh, if so two things two things would give me optimism in a normal season one in an 82 game schedule, obviously more time to sort things out um, in an 82 game schedule with a, with a normal, with a normal schedule distribution, like you're playing all the teams in the, in the league, a certain amount of times you knew it didn't matter where you are in the standings. Like, like I'm a math guy. I, I know 95 points in an NHL schedule in a normal 82 game schedule, you're going to get to the playoffs. Uh, there's very little chance that you won't. So, you know, if you're kind of shooting for 95 points, you don't have to worry about looking at, looking at the standings and, and, and seeing what other people are doing. You just take care of, your, of yourself, 95 points. There it is. That, that would be a comfort in a season like this to, to say, okay, it's not over yet. But in a shorter schedule and in an unbalanced schedule where we already know three of the teams that look like they're going to go to the playoffs in this division, we, we don't have that chance of saying, okay, we, well, maybe we still get in in the back end of the, of the eight in the conference that are going to go into the playoffs. Nah, man, you, uh, it, that, that window is going to close pretty quick. And for a team that's playing a short schedule and has not let a, hasn't, hasn't played a game where, where they've not trailed at some point through 20% of your schedule, man, it, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So those are my, uh, those are my points on the Penguins. Did you wish they were in the central division? where you played Detroit, where you played Chicago, where you played Nashville. And I, I wish they were anywhere else. Yeah. I wish, I wish they, I wish Western Pennsylvania would, would be annexed by Canada and they can go play in that division. <laughs> I'll take that. And you, and you know, it's funny as a non penguin fan, I hear your assessment and the fact that they have gotten wins would make me feel good. They haven't, you know, they haven't had a full roster on the back end. The goalie hasn't been playing well, and they're still getting wins. That would that would make me feel good knowing that at some point the goaltender is going to play better, and the defense might round out into into better form than what they've been playing like. It might not be hurt. <laughs> they have maximized their opportunities when they have ended regulation tied. That's what I can. Four of their five wins, they didn't outscore anybody in regulation in four out of those five wins. They 
they managed to get the extra point in, in overtime, which is a okay. crap shooting, and that luck's not going to last forever. Dave, you have four points. Yeah, so I, I, I uh, did. I'm sorry, but point I number mean- one is uh, the Devils have COVID. <laughs> COVID uh, point number two is point number two is they had games canceled because they have players that have COVID. Point number three is over the course of the week they added more people to the list of players who have COVID. Did anybody come and off the my list? My fourth point is no. Uh, well, that's funny you should say that. <laughs> Connor Carrick and Sammy Votnin in the span have come off the list and then gone back on the list. Like that's how long the list, this issue has been going on. Players have been able to test off of the list and then go back on. Holy crap. So they got it twice? Well, so yeah. Carrick was on the list because he traveled home to be in New Jersey for the wife, for the birth of his child. Right. And he flew commercial. So he had. Right. So he. he yeah. He got his, you know, he got his consecutive negative test to come off the list, but then went back on. And Votnin was on the list, the list initially because he had just signed his contract and traveled from overseas, tested off the list, and then now he's back on. Oh. So uh, I got to be honest with you, I don't think they're going to play next Tuesday either. Like, I don't think that game is going to happen. Un- unless they all start to come off by what, Friday? They'd have to come off the list by Friday or, you know, at least start practicing by Saturday or Sunday. You got to get, they got to get a couple practices in. Yeah. At at least two practices. in. so everybody's off the list. They open up the practice facility on Saturday. That's when you kind of know that Tuesday is kind of a go. Anything later than that, that Tuesday game is canceled. They also got to give um, whoever they're playing next, the, uh, I guess the league's got to give them assurance that it's safe to play them. I mean, you know, the Buffalo game, you could argue they should never have played, but oh, anyway, the, the government officials up there are furious that that game was allowed to happen on that Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And it could have um, been worse if, if the Isles played the, the Sabres. Luckily it didn't cascade worse. Well, yeah. Right. For the now, for now, Devils yeah. to play after that too. Right. Yeah. Oof. And you made mention of some of the changes they made, I guess they've taken out the glass behind the, the benches. So now yeah. they're saying air can circulate better. And they're supposed to be putting in some sort of better filters behind the benches too. Okay. That's great. But I don't know if that's going to work. My fourth point though, is uh, the Binghamton Devils of Newark, after having their first two games canceled, got the win last night. Riley Walsh scored game winning goal in overtime and Nolan Foote also got his first goal in his first game. So that was nice to see some actual hockey from this organization being played. Well, thank God. So, you know, while I was watching the Ranger game and I'm, and I'm, and I'm watching uh, the number one overall pick, Alexei Lafreniere, and I'm watching him play, I'm watching him play against the Islanders and, and I'm trying to figure out and make excuses as to what the hell is going on. This guy was hyped up by the media so much that he's the next coming of Sidney Crosby. And what we're getting is nothing even resembling that. He had one noticeable shift against the Islanders last night um, where he and Howden and um, Giuseppe, Di Giuseppe were, were kind of rolling. That line was kind of rolling uh, in the first two periods last night. And Lafreniere had one really energized shift where he came and hit Noah Dobson behind the, behind the net and he was on the puck hard and he just, man, you got a glimpse of what this kid could actually be. 
and then kind of disappeared altogether after that. And he was kind of invisible before that. And he was kind of invisible in the Washington game. Last time he was visible was in Buffalo when he scored the overtime goal. And, you know, I, I looked at, you know, the past since 2010, the number one overall picks to kind of see what they kind of did that first year. The worst player on that list was Jack Hughes. And granted, it was only a 60, he only played 61 games. But after Jack Hughes was Nail Yakupov. And he, he had played 48 games, scored 31 points. Hughes had 61 uh, games played last year for 21, for 21 points. Lafreniere has one goal, no assists, one point through the first 10 games, now 11 games of the season. Um, certainly on pace to be well below what Jack Hughes did last year. Is the number one overall pick better off going to juniors or has media and the league forced that number one overall pick into your lineup, regardless if he's 18 or 19 years old, when he may not even be ready for that jump? Are we, are we getting into the point where they're just not ready at that age and they still need another year of development? Case in point, if you look at Keandre Miller, he was supposed to come to the Rangers last year and forego a season in Wisconsin. Tony Granato said, no, no come back one more season and develop further, get that extra year of age, get some body weight under you and really try to understand the game a little bit better. He did that and it's paid huge dividends for Keandre Miller and what you're seeing on the ice game in and game out this year. Um, he has just been a force to be reckoned with. And I think he's tied in the NHL with a plus seven um, and he's just playing solid Um as an older type of kid, um, a lot, well, obviously a lot bigger kid plays a, a little bit, um, he plays a different position and he's not a number one overall pick. Um, so there is that difference, but is Alexei Lafreniere, I'm, I mean, I don't want to call him a bust yet because there's just so many things that you, you can't even put into, in, to factor in this year, but is this going to crush his development for further? I, I, I honestly, and, and try to give me your a hockey objective here and not just fuck the Rangers. So, Although, so what did you, what did you expect in terms of his point totals in a shortened year? Like, uh, I think we said somewhere around 25 to 35, somewhere in that range. I, I was kind right. of anticipating, but he's, okay, so. he's less than 0.33%, you know, point a, a game guy. He's less so, than I think it's a it's the huge difference in competition level that really slaps these kids in the face. I and agree. I don't know if you know this or not, but he did not have preseason training camp games to play in to get adjusted to the game. I, I, I was a big I, proponent of the fact that they should have been playing preseason no, games. No, you're a fucking liar. You weren't. Um, yeah. But no, I, I agree right. with that. But also Quinn had Why mentioned wouldn't you play that, preseason games? Crazy. <laughs> that moving him from the first two lines and down to the third and fourth line, put him against lower tier talent. So he could maybe match up better against those but players. And that hasn't, that hasn't transpired into Jack shit. What else did it do? What else did it do? It reduces the it time. It changed on the, the people he was playing. No, it changes the people on his line as well. Yeah. No, he goes, I, from all his life playing with the, the other two best players on the team sure. to now well, playing with the, the 10th and 11th best players on the team. I know, but the, the point I did try to make there was that one shift that he had last night against the Islanders where he came out and just rolled people, was on the puck hard. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that every shift. He doesn't show that type of energy shift in and shift out. It was one shift through 11 games 
I don't know. I hope he's not a bust. I really hope I, he's not. Obviously, it's it's too early to say bust. I, I, I do. And, you know, Larry Brooks, <laughs> timing of this is impeccable. You'll read in the post tomorrow. It's a very similar article to the point I'm trying to make. But um, I mean, it, it, if, if you if you are going to compare him to Hughes, look at the difference from year one to year two. My saving grace. It really it really is calming me down a little bit about, well, next year, Lafreniere should be could be closer to the player that people were projecting him to be this year with a full off season, kind of an experience under his belt knowing what to do in the off season, knowing training, the toll bigger. it's going to take on the body too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, going into the, going into the 2019, 2020 season, the average for the number one overall pick was 69 games, 20 goals, 29 assists for 49 points going in. And Jack Hughes brought that number down drastically to 17, 28 and 45 out of the same games played brought it down by four full I, points. But I think anybody that compared him to Crosby though, was, was a little bit overreaching too. That's, that's and and too it was much. because of being in Ramuski, the same as Crosby. Yeah. Two straight league MVPs and the point totals and everything else that he was being compared to. But this is what the media hype this kid to be and now we're not getting that so i gotta tell you i understand but it's a little disappointing it's just a little disappointing i would say a couple things one i didn't think he was even close to the crosby hype of or more mcdavid or stamkos or Tavares. i thought he was just you know a couple things one the draft year this whole year has been kind of overshadowed by you know the league maybe having half a season if that right Combined with the fact that, you know, he I didn't I didn't see the the same kind of level of, of skill that those guys, a couple of those guys had, you know. But hey, it's I think he's fine. He I think he looked okay. And you know, I was looking back at like number one picks, like the guys that we're kind of talking about. Outside of the Cron the McGre- the McDavid and the and the Crosby who had like point per game or more in Sydney's in Sydney Crosby's uh you know, um uh case, you know, you have uh Someone like Tavares, who had 53, 54 points in 82 games. And, you know, he had, he played like shit a lot, but he scored points. He got, he was playing as many minutes as they could put him on and he got, he got points, but he wasn't playing a full game. He wasn't playing the, the full 60 minutes, you know, end to end. He was not there. Um, same with, you probably make the same argument with, with Taylor Hall. I mean, he had 42 points in 65 games, like so pretty not too bad, but I'm sure he wasn't playing the full, full thing. No, but the last guy to, well. to the last number one overall pick to be in the league that averaged a point per game was, was Connor McDavid. And that's, he only played 45 games that year. I think what he'd break his leg or something, um, but yeah, he had 48 he, points in 45 games. And he was the last but, guy to be a point per game guy as a number one overall pick, but he's, he's a special player. Like that's like McDavid. Yeah, absolutely. He's not a no. Tavares. He's not an Austin. Well, you know, you can, you, no. you can argue and, Austin Matthews in that breath too, but he's not the game changer that we were we were promised by the media. And it kind of is. Ups- it's not upsetting. It's just a little disappointing. That's all it is. Yeah, and and Matthews scored forty goals in his first year. I mean, Matthews was he was right after McDavid, and we all knew he was going to be very very good. And you know, oh, yeah. four four in his first game, I think it was. Yep. You know, he he looked. He looked good and he plays a full game. He, he, I think Austin Matthews was the kind of guy that you like, you know, you expected the first round, first round pick overall. Same with McDavid. McDavid, I, I think, I think it's not, not the case though. Cause he's like a generational type of player where he has 
all the tools to really be like a guy that can just put it all together. I, um, I, I'm not disagreeing with but, anything you're saying, but, but you know, Steve, look in 2017 yeah. with Nico Heischer. What, what did you think about Heischer's rookie season? Were you pleased with it or were you kind of maybe disappointed? Absolutely. I was not disappointed at all. He stepped in and took over the number one center position in game one. Did he, did he produce the points? No, but I don't understand how wasn't a liability. I don't understand how you can say he didn't produce the points. He had 52 points in his rookie season. He had 20 goals and 32 assists, which is, he was a, it was a better than the top line center playing. He was a top line center playing with a wing. That was the MVP that year. He probably should have had more points. Okay. But But again, stepped onto the ice, number one center. And most importantly, he was, was never a defensive liability. And I think that's the one thing that you really have to be concerned with the most. He might not score at one end, but is he making bonehead plays in the defensive end? And if he's not, then I think you should be happy with what you got for right now. And what did you think about Jack Hughes's first year last year in that same? I breath? thought Jack Hughes absolutely should not have been in the NHL last year. That's what I'm I think there was. I think there was a big push to make him the first player to go right from the U S national team developmental program into the NHL without playing any juniors or minors or anything. And that wound up costing him kind of having his stock drop because of it. Now he worked his ass off during the long break that he had. And you see the player that everybody said he was going to be is starting to develop. Yeah. When he doesn't have COVID. He's only had it for seven days. So <laughs> well, my, my perspective on, on the number one players, my number one overall players coming in, um, you know, it, it's going to be harder and harder as we go forward for, for them to be these huge impact players in their first year, two years, even three years, the NHL is getting younger. So any like speed advantage the game is so fast now the, the and the players are you know the players are, are like breaking in in their early 20s uh and, and you don't you don't have like a, a big physical advantage at, at 18 coming into the league against those guys anymore you you might have distinguished yourself with your skill uh in the leagues that you were playing in before you got to the NHL but that's not going to really start to to shine through until you physically you know kind of grow into yourself which typically isn't happening at the age of 18. It, it's, it's really happening more toward your early twenties. And that's where guys that, that have kind of set themselves apart in their, in their junior career, collegiate career, and so forth are really going to start to show that it, it's, it's when they kind of hit that age. That That's my expectation anyway. I mean, from, from what I'm seeing, like, you know, with, with my kid playing youth hockey in New Jersey, um, I, I see what, I see the player he is. I see the player, you know, all the kids on his team, are so well-schooled and skate so well and are so skilled. And, and he's on a, he's on a B team um, in the state of New Jersey, which is not the, which is a medium hockey market at most in the United States where again, the United States isn't even a big hockey market. There's going to be 8,000 kids before high school age playing in these youth leagues, getting five hours of ice time a week, just in New Jersey. And how many NHL players are going to come out of New Jersey ultimately there's might be two at a time three at a time possibly I mean the 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 entire NHL is is just going to be full of of wizards um 
in the in the very near future. I think it's starting now. So to to distinguish yourself at that young age is is just gonna get harder and harder to do. Um, I, I think I think you really need you know I don't think it's necessarily bad thing if if they start in the league at, at, at 18 if they're drafted and start in the next season but the expectation can't be that they're going to dominate right away um i think based on personality you know is this the kind of kid that you want to to have a little more success in the minor leagues or go back to juniors or, or something like that before he comes up to the nhl i guess that depends on the player and that's a decision that teams are going to have to make in development but um you know if, if if you can make it, if Lafreniere can can stick around and be productive on some level at the age of 18, I, I think it's fine for him to, to be in the league or anybody else uh, who's a number one pick to, to not necessarily dominate immediately, but uh, but to just develop in that role. Yeah. I don't think he looked at a place. And when we were watching the game that last night, I, I thought he looked pretty decent. And everything you just mentioned, Billy, right there, you know, playing defensively, that keeps you in the game. And he's gonna, it's going to come to him. You know, the speed's going to slow down. He's got high-end talent. He should be able to, you know, start to get points. I think I think in general, though, that that'll start to come over time, just gelling with his, his line mates, figuring out the system. I mean, you know, no preseason, you know, playing juniors is a lot different than playing NHL. And unless you're, like, a guy that can just do things like Ovechkin or Crosby or – or uh, McKinnon, McDavid, those guys that just that are able to do special things. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can be good at everything. I mean, Lafreniere could just be a really, really solid player and just start to, to slowly dominate the game in his own way, more defensively, maybe, you know, figuring out, like, as he gets comfortable with everybody around him. And, you know, I think he's going to be fine. He didn't look out of place by any means. He no, I, like want he more, I want more of those skate. shifts where he's no, more noticeable. Yeah. Want, I just want one or two a game. That's all I'm asking for. I don't think I'm asking for a lot. Like the entire Washington game, he was literally was invisible. And the Islander game, he had that one shift where he did really something well. And yeah. then, you know, you don't pick up your back check and poof, it's two nothing. Well, yeah, now that was, this was the Islander game that happened yesterday that he had this shift. So now let's see next game. Does he have again, at least one, one shift you know, maybe next game he's get he gets he has two shifts. I I hope that that you really notice him. I I hope that they put that that a clip of that shift that he went out and he and he popped Dobson behind the behind the net and was really hard on the puck. He's gonna have to play that way against Boston. I'm telling you that right now. The next two games are against an elite team, and they're gonna need everything. again. Like I said, he's played his whole life where he hasn't had to exert all of his energy to be the best player on the ice. That takes a while to learn. Like I gotta, I gotta skate hard for the next forty-five seconds, and I gotta do that twenty-five times tonight. Yeah, but that I, takes time but, to learn and understand. I don't disagree with you. I and, and I'm with you hundred percent. But I don't think we're seeing. We're just putting our trust and blind faith that the coaches are telling him to play that way. Because if your coach was telling you to play right. a certain way, wouldn't you go out and play a certain that certain way? Not just go out there and try not to look like an idiot. You, you got to put you a little bit of blind. Again, you've got to learn. Can, if I do this here, if I, if I try and stick check here, am I still going to be in position to block a pass? Or if I make this hit here and I get the puck, what am I doing with it? That, that kind of stuff. Again, like Nick said, the speed of the game is so fast for these kids when they come in. 
Yeah, and, and Quinn is like that in very, you know, play your position, be defensively responsible, then that will lead to offense. So I, I hope he's just going through the, the motions of learning that now. I, I, I now, really I think you were trying to deflect away this sort of criticism early, uh, but, you know, it, this is the Rangers and they don't develop. I know. That's why talent. I wanted to. Like, just a fact. I really wanted to mute you throughout this entire segment because I was <laughs> waiting for you to say that. Do you think the NHL should do away with the whole if an 18-year-old kid gets drafted and doesn't make the NHL roster, he has to go back to juniors. Why can't an 18-year-old player play on an AHL team, on a, on a, on a, on the leagues, in the, get accustomed to the, the team system in the minor leagues? Yeah, I, I don't understand that whole thing either. And I, I, I'm a huge proponent of if you have draft picks and they're just not making the team and you want them to learn a little bit maybe before they get called up later on in the season – let the let the let the organizations figure out where the hell to put them and if they want to put them in in the ahl organization let them play there i i could not agree with you more on that statement i'm i'd actually go a step further and say they they should take a page out of the um i think the ahl doesn't do what it's supposed to do i think they should take a page out of what the nba has done with their development league and basically created and get rid of the HL or let it do its I thing. Think, and, and, I think it has to do <laughs> now. So I think ultimately what it has to do with though is all these junior teams in all these small towns, if they didn't have these kids coming back, would lose a lot of money. Like, you, you can't put all wow. these players on an AHL team. So they're, no, they're, that's what I'm saying. there's enough players to go around. It, it, I think it makes sense to create like a, a, a way that somewhere they can play. And the idea is that, you know, the AHL exists and it's mostly filled with, with older guys and, you know, right, players are right. not going to make, they're just there to, because they didn't make like, the NHL. Like Matt Molson, like Matt Molson being the captain well, yeah. of the team. Right. Like he's never going to make the NHL again. Not again. He's, he's done. He, he, he played Tavares for a couple of years. And if he didn't, he probably wouldn't have stayed on anybody's, anybody's team. Right. Um, but you know, they don't have to play on, like, I don't need the guys that we have as, as like our, top prospects to play at Bridgeport. Bridgeport has traditionally been like the last few years, like almost like the last 10 years, it feels like they've been just God awful. And it feels like they're not doing a good job of developing players. I don't care if they play with like the Rangers prospects or like Flyers prospects and Devils prospects, like just on the same teams, like let them develop together and have a place to actually get games in against high level, you know, teams and, and actually develop. But don't you think, than don't you think NHL. Bridgeport, would be more would be better at developing players if they had to develop players. If your draft picks went there, don't you think the organization would be better at developing talent? Uh, they do, but the problem is, it, it, like, they still go there. There's some restrictions, but even though the restrictions are stupid, in my opinion, I don't, I don't see the you can do away with them, but they still get buried behind guys that shouldn't be ahead of them because they're like, oh well, we want to win the game, and so we got to put you on the third line or whatever. And you're like, what? Like, why is our top end prospect playing on the second or third line? No, this, see, this? And it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I think time. if Lafreniere was was playing in Hartford, he'd be a top line player. I couldn't agree with you more. No, it's not. And so right? I agree. So, it's yeah. it's just the fact that no, from watching what the Bridgeport's done, and maybe it's a Bridgeport thing, but they constantly have those guys that are like, okay, they've been here three, four years, so they're getting first line minutes, or you know. Maybe they put up, you know, someone like Wallstrom on that first line, but they jump around and they're not like really, you know, there's certain guys that just did not develop there. 
and it took him a, a lot of time to get out of it. So I don't know, just my two cents on it. But but I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm I'm a huge fan of these guys. These early uh, draft picks and even number one overall. Um, even maybe Kako just Lash- first rounders. Maybe just maybe just your first round pick has the option to play in your minor league system instead of going back to juniors. Everybody after that has to go back to juniors. I'm I'm with you 100%. I I really am. Try to find some way to get these guys. And who knows, this may be the start of something like that. Um, So hopefully the NHL is listening to us. I know you are. So Steve, you you had the opportunity with uh, with no games um, to do a a little something on Black History Month and you watched a movie? What, What movie did you watch? I watched a movie called Willie, which was on Willie O'Ree, the first black player to play in the NHL. Ah. Willie grew up in Canada, played hockey like all good Canadian boys, and also played baseball. In 1956, he actually had a tryout with the Atlanta Braves down in Georgia. Well, I guess it was the Milwaukee Braves then, but they their spring training was in Georgia. So he went there, he tried out, and... The whole experience was really eye-opening to him because of segregation in the South of the United States Mm. and seeing how terrible black people were treated firsthand really pushed him to say, you know what, maybe this baseball thing isn't for me. I'm going to focus all my efforts in hockey. I want to be the first black player. Uh, He said is, is that he wanted to play pro hockey and he wanted to be the first black player in the NHL. He winds up playing professional hockey in Canada and in 1958 played two games with the Bruins uh, against Montreal. He made his debut in Montreal, which was very, uh, very poignant. I guess back in the day, you know, Montreal really was the center of the hockey world. So to have your NHL debut be in, in Montreal in the forum was probably a ridiculously amazing experience if he wasn't uh, having racial remarks thrown at him every opportunity they had to throw at him. One thing that I found really amazing was while he was playing in the minors or in juniors, he got hit in the eye with a puck and it wind up blinding him in one eye. And he did not tell anybody except for his sister, who he swore to secrecy because he knew if anybody knew, he wouldn't be able to play hockey anymore. So he made it to the NHL as the first black player with one eye. Could you imagine if Jackie Robinson had one eye? So um, my brother had had, baseball. uh, There's no depth perception. My my brother had retinoblastoma and he had uh, his eye removed. And in high school, when he was wanted to play freshman year football, they wouldn't allow him to play because he would have a quote unquote blind spot. And then uh, yeah. when we took it to the paper, the star ledger at the time and, and went through all, all the, all the things necessary to get him allowed to play. And he eventually played in high school and he had a, a, a really decent career for high school football um, for, for his high school uh, team. So, and, and, and I talked to him about it and, and seeing that, and it, it's just, it, it's very, very difficult to play any sports. It, it's it's bad enough to try to drive a car with one eye, yeah. uh, uh, you know, let alone a sport where someone wants to actually take you out and, and have yeah. the senses to, to know that they're there. So, I mean, 
I didn't know that about him and, and man, kudos to him for, for that, for sure. Amongst the other things, obviously. Played pro hockey. He played pro hockey for 21 years until he was 45 years old. He retires around 1980. And from 1980 to 1996, he's out of the game of hockey completely doing miscellaneous security jobs in and around, I think it was Southern, Southern California. Cause he played a lot of the end of his career uh, with the, with the goals out in California. Yeah. So he retired when he retired, he stayed there did a lot of security jobs. And in 1996, somebody from USA Hockey was like, hey, what are we doing? Why aren't we, why don't we involve Willie O'Ree in our diversity program a little bit here? And uh, from 96 on, he's been in the uh, the diversity ambassador. And in, in 2018, uh, members of the community in, in a town in Canada where he grew up made a big push to get him inducted into the Hall of Fame. And uh, he was inducted in the in the same class with Brodeur and Martin St. Louis. That That's... That's incredible. I didn't know a lot. If you have the opportunity, if you have the opportunity, the name of the movie was Willie. Highly recommended. It was very, very eye-opening. It was very, very touching to see how his community uh, in Canada really rallied around him and uh, made that push to get him into the Hall of Fame in the Builders category. You know, watch you, it. you look, you look at our teams right now and, and you look at, you know, he, this was the guy that laid the foundation for players like P.O. Joseph, uh, Ken Andre Miller, P.K. Subban. Shit. Islanders. Islanders don't. Oh, man. Yeah, we're too white, man. Oh, my God. You guys are a bunch of racists. <laughs> you guys are a bunch Josh, of racists. Oh, my gosh. Josh is the only guy, I think. But laid the foundation to, to get. Varlamov likes hip hop. <laughs> and... he likes, he's Russian. He likes, he likes uh, uh, a lot of. He likes club music. <laughs> yeah, a lot but, of EDM. But getting back to my point. These guys are are not just players on a team. They're they're pivotal foundation guys for the future. At least for for P.O. Joseph and Condre Miller, um, these guys are 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 cornerstones for the franchises moving forward. And uh, it couldn't have been done without Willie O'Ree. And so we 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 certainly do pay our respects uh, for Black History Month and uh, diversity within the NHL. So on that note, um, we are going to call it an evening. Um, we didn't get to everything that we wanted to get to today, but just leaves the opportunity for us to do things next week. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, uh, Twitter at friends underscore rivals on Facebook and um, YouTube friends and rivals podcast. Don't forget to click comment and share subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, um, leave a review. That could be good because it really, really would help out our show a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Billy, play us out. Oh, my friends and rivals. Flyers, pop, flyers, pop.